these young bulls can come after us, but if we truly like dire consequences, like our time and our knowledge and our ability, like we have what it takes to grind that out. And there's always going to be that, that young missile that has a lot of fucking potential. It's scary because they don't know a whole lot, but they can come after you with so much stuff. Yeah. And then we're just everyday people on an everyday training time. And that's not an everyday. I remember when I was in my early twenties and I first got into MMA and, uh, I trained for like a year with like Seth Norman and, um, Justin McCorkle and a guy named Whitney Brown. And it was at a place called crucible martial arts. That's like such a martial arts yeah. name for Jeff, place. <laughs> Jeff Lindsay was uh, the OG that was kind of running our classes. And then uh, Ar- um, Arjan, gosh, his name slipped my mind. He's around here. Really cool guy. I actually really do like that guy. He's a badass dude. But I think back at that time and I remember, and it's like, I remember how jazzed up I was every night going into training, like going home and like watching UFC and like just like thinking what I'm doing and what I'm partaking in. And then all my friends that I grew up with that I still ran around with, like now it's different at the dinner table. Like, you know, now we're getting a little bit older. We're all kind of like in college doing stuff. And like, yeah, dude, this tap out shirt. Like I, I fight, you know what I mean? But I remember <laughs> that. And then, but I remember just like not, like when I look at it now, it's like I didn't have any skill. Just kind of got <laughs> tough in the room based on adaptation to the environment. But... You didn't actually know No, because then years later, when I got into martial arts, I couldn't, like, there wasn't a single thing that transferred over. Besides hard work, toughness, you've been kicked, you've been punched, you've mm-hmm. been beaten up. You know, good at that. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. And I did. I paid money to that, and they just took it and beat shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's... It's a grind. But those those things are fun, but it it, it is funny because I think there people talk about how it like translates to other things in life and all that. I haven't personally found that. I don't think like from a you know if I'm like in a tough stressful work situation, I'm not like ah jujitsu's hard. I've been through harder. You know, it's it doesn't yeah. really translate to that necessarily, but it does to like the gym and here, right? It's like if I want to work out hard, like hey, I'm, I'm it does translate there mm-hmm. back and forth, but not necessarily to other stresses in life. I don't I don't find for me you it don't may find. for others. Right. Don't, but isn't that like, can't that be said into anything that yeah. you put your mind like on? Cause that's, you know, coming up in the weight room, it's like, that's what the iron culture is about. It's like, you know, if you can be disciplined and lift all this weight, like anything in life is possible. Yeah. And then same thing, jujitsu says the same thing. And then I'm sure if you do Muay Thai classes and if you just keep doing Muay Thai, you know, the darkest days in that room, like you can make anything turn around for you. It's tr- it is true. You just got to find your motivation, your yeah. thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's fun, man. I, you know, I, I always wonder like there's certain things that people do that aren't always fun from like an objective standpoint, Yeah, you know, whether that's in the gym or jujitsu or whatever it is. It's funny because with OU and the new coaches coming in, I've been on Twitter uh, following the whole saga of Brent Venables coming in and they're bringing Schmitty back. And I'm sure that you probably are are quite familiar. Uh, just kind of knowing his history with OU and seeing the old school guys from OU that were, 
you know, back there when I was in college and Schmidt was their coach, and their My stories boys. are hilarious. Like, yes. it's like that's all you got, big dog. Back to the start, and it's just hilarious hearing their stories Man. come. And you know, that's there's nothing fun about that kind of thing. Where it's like, oh, he made me do an hour on the stairmaster because I was late to work out. Dude. And it's just that grind. But uh, Smitty had Smitty had good stories. Uh, um, I was do, lucky. do you know him? Like, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to really. Um, well, meet him see, or, that was. That group of people and around your time in college, um, a little bit after that was like the, the Reggie Smith time, um, Jonathan Nelson, Moses Madu, mm-hmm. Keenan Clayton, mm-hmm. uh, Jermaine Gresham, all those guys, um, you know, were in the gym with us for a period of time, mainly Reggie, Keenan, Jonathan, those guys. Um, but, you know, Jermaine Gresham, I remember the time that that fool walked in the gym. Um, and he, I just remember how big his hands were. He grabbed a 12 pound, one of those hard 12 pound medicine balls with one hand. It was just palming it, moving around like a basketball. And I was like, gosh, <laughs> okay, freak. You know, um, Jonathan Nelson still just like had the just most amazing like reaction and explosive ability. It's, um, maybe he didn't jump the absolute highest, but like his ability to just quickness and generate force and like redirect was amazing but jonathan's uh just jonathan's ability to to jump and repeatedly jump was things that like blew me away because that's like when i was personally getting really into um, strength conditioning and what's very interesting when we're talking about smitty going back it's like you know, we, we always talk about everybody feeling good and health. And of course they want to make, you know, these guys are resilient. They're young. So they have the potential to be thrown around a lot more and banged up. But the big thing with that is like, there's not like there's performance, but it's a different game. Like it's also like, we're going to like push you. This is boot camp style. This is like boot camp physical performance training. And if you don't make it next person in line. Mm-hmm. And then next class, whatever, you know. So people always have to think about that. Like when we talk about stories, because I've been a part of and I've, I've been in some areas of where we bash like the uh, strength conditioning coaches at the collegiate level. And it's like, well, you know, these are these terrible stories. But then it's like, man, that's that's kind of part of this process of like, you know, you get with your boys. Like that's what, even though with my knowledge, that's what I would want. Like if we went down to Brazil with like our team to to train for jujitsu, I'd want I'd want to get the the real shit. I don't necessarily want the healthiest style of training. Yeah, yeah. But those guys, those guys were in the gym then, and they were around at that time, and they used to tell me all sorts of stories, um, just in insane stuff. Um, but there's always guys who game the system. You know, there's guys who figure out that we do punishment stuff in the night or in the morning. Can we, can we pick? Do we get to figure out what it is? Is it better to not know and just get there and do it? Or is it better to know, but think about it all day? There's funny stories about yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I saw somebody who was like, I could either go to the 3.30 PM workout or the yeah. 6 AM workout. And he was like, hell no, let's just get it over with at the start of the day. And then I can go home, take a nap and yeah. be done with it. I remember a story where I was really critical of something and it's kind of, an interesting lesson. Um, Phil Lodeholt. Remember Phil Lodeholt? Yeah. It was a load of a man. Yeah. Huge. One of the largest. Um, I remember, I don't remember exactly what it was, but one of his like punishments, he was late, did something, whatever. He's got to run. And it was uh, stadiums, you know, up and down there in the end mm-hmm. zone. 
And I remember thinking, and this is kind of what I was just alluding to. It's like the critical thinker in me is like, why well, have a 330, 350 pound man, whatever, like on concrete, you know, running up and down these stairs with the force on the knees and like all this kind of stuff. And you start to think, and then it's like, man, you know, cause reality is like, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt and it's next up in line. You know, that's what that game is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I remember that kind of like being a lesson when I really started seeing the difference in like, you know, the cream of the crop that the ones who do make it through and then they get the money to be able to hire somebody one-on-one to, to monitor every move and take their performance to the next level. Mm-hmm. And that's when you see those superhuman, super freak professionals. Yeah. But the interesting thing is look at the pool. Like look at all the guys that have played at OU football, OSU, um, any, any D1 college football. Like they're athletes, man. Mm-hmm. They can, there's athletes everywhere. Um, and I would almost be willing to say some of the athletes that I've been around at that time that we were training that weren't, that never made the pros, maybe got a little taste, but got cut or something. Those are some of the actually freakish athletes that I've ever been around. Yeah. Maybe can sure. turn it into the skills of football yeah. per se, the catching and didn't have the smarts, and- man. Didn't have the, uh, didn't have that mental drive to like, okay, I'm going to learn everything I'm responsible for doing. I'm going to learn my position. I'm going to learn what I'm responsible to do. I'm going to learn what other people are doing so that I can communicate with them. And then those guys also uh, like Reggie, Reggie Smith, you know, for those who know, if we got a lot of Oklahoma people listening, you know, Santa Fe, Edmund born boy and came out of Santa Fe and went straight to OU there and then got drafted by the 49ers. But like, Reggie was a very interesting athlete and somebody I've been able to spend a lot of time around. But I say interesting in the fact that like he wasn't the strongest, he wasn't the fastest, he wasn't the biggest, but he was exceptionally good at everything. And his biggest attributes was his mind. Like from a freshman in high school, he got thrown into varsity football and was just kind of like, all right, kid, run around, do what, do what playmakers do, do what you athletes do. And every level he was able to just, you know, keep level head, understand his position, understand the athleticism he was blessed with, how to mix it with his head. Uh, that was kind of like the one athlete that I've seen that I, uh, it's just interesting when when guys and we can do that in strength, like in our own exercise. And we do do that. It's like, let's meet intention with our brain and intention with our body and let's put these things together and make make the best results that we're capable of getting, you know? Yeah. And the final word there is don't try to emulate what they're doing in the off season. (laughs) No, these murder murderous workouts in the off season that have a particular purpose for a limited period of time, you know, to get them through the season and them also being 20 years old and not, 38 years old. Yeah. And there's, I mean, very few, like up until right now, our guys playing past 10 years in the NFL, you get somebody past 10 years in the NFL back in the day. And it was like crazy, you know? And then those guys just as like, we see a lot of martial artists and stuff. You get to the forties, fifties. If you don't start taking care of yourself in your thirties and you better hope you can in your twenties, but you don't do too much damage. But if you don't start taking care of yourself, you're going to, be one of those declining human beings. 
yeah. um, that's not walking as well, not doing the things and just, and that's what sucks, man. I, I feel my birthday's coming up. I'm about to turn 38 years old and I feel like that's old and I feel like that's young. On one hand, I feel like I'm young and I'm, but I've had a lot of wisdom with the old part of it where it's like, I'm almost 40 and I have the wisdom now to realize like, I, this is the prime. Like this is when I want to move and enjoy the most cause I can respect and appreciate things the most. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that I've started taking care of myself, you know, <laughs> and changing ways a little bit. Same, same, man. It, you know, for the first, and I was different, right? I didn't beat myself up when I was in my twenties. I just did exactly, I did nothing. You know, I was lazy. I was playing video games and just not being healthy, not eating well and not eating well in your twenties. I mean, yeah, a lot of people, yeah. but yeah, just not real active or anything like that. And so it's not until I really got into my thirties that I late twenties kind of getting started, but really into my thirties and more particularly about the last four years, where I've really started taking it serious, trying to be healthier and stronger. And it's funny to be like, oh, I'm 38 and I'm in the best shape of my life. Like that's fortunate for me, but also I, my baseline was pretty darn low. What are the, maju- I mean, what are the majority of like, you see this on like ads and things like that, but the majority of people over 40 celebrities or something like that, that we see that are always like, I'm in, or just, you know, interesting people that are always like, I'm in the best shape of my life. Mm-hmm. Most healthy people doing stuff in their forties that they're saying, if they're doing that stuff, then they usually end up saying like, I'm in the best shape of my life. And that's how am I in better shape at 38 than I was at, 24 and it's simply because the shit i was doing at 24 was egotistically driven it was high volume it was i was young i was pushing i didn't think all the time it just didn't have the quality that's on it today and we also never when you're younger you're not really thinking about how this translates to all areas of your life you're definitely thinking how it translates to whatever you've read or the sport or whatever scientific thing you've memorized that you want to spout off because that's like your badge of honor like i know what i'm doing but you're really just accumulating tons and tons of shit you hope to kind of make it through that mature a little bit get a little bit of wisdom and then hope based on through all that shit you've built something and now you have a little something to to either clean up or you know to build on with but yeah i don't know it's funny to say that too because it's like there's the difference between people in shape and out of shape is a lot narrower at 20 than like the later, the longer you go, right? Yeah, 30, wow, 40, 50. And I saw something on, on Twitter, I think it was today. And it was somebody commenting on like health and fitness stuff. And they said, we see a whole lot of people today who are 60, who are walking around looking like they're 80, you know, moving like uh-huh. they're 80. And just commenting about how that we've got a serious health problem. Yeah. When you do have people that are in their 60s, but they're moving like they're in their 80s. And we should still be able to be, vibrant and moving and healthy even into our 60s and beyond and you know so what but but that starts now it's a lot harder to get it back when you're 65 than it is starting from 35 or 25 or 45 you know yeah because by god by that time when you're actually ready to make a change the first thing is the be here now one of the pillars you better come into a realization that what happened in the past is all gone 
I am here this day. I am in this condition. I don't know how much time I have left. Therefore, my expectations better be real. You know, you gave up that you put yourself in that situation. It's not a mean thing. It's just like that's actually the healthiest, happiest, best kind of scenario. Because then you're like, this is where I am. This is where I'm capable of being. And then you get going. But it is sad when we see a lot of people. And I see with people in their their 30s and 40s, like in 50s, like every generation past your 20s, I see it where it's kind of like, man, I I, want to do this. I want to get in this shape. And it's kind of like, you can do it. I'm not going to say you're not like you can't because anybody can accomplish stuff. But it's like it's going to be a long road, man. It's a it's a lot of work. Like, are are you aware of what you're looking at? Like, are you aware of? of where you are at in relation to what you see out there. And, um, uh, frankly, a lot of people aren't, you know, the, but I have a question. I was thinking something a second ago. How do we, what do we do about like food and obesity? Like, cause I don't want to make it a shaming thing at all. That's not what I, what I mean with this. I don't, cause the majority of very successful, very smart people. And I, the majority of private school parents that I know literally are super, super smart people, but nobody's eaten an abundance amount of real food. Okay. And so I, I just, I wonder when they're young and their kids, I get it. It's their kids. And we went through this and I would make arguments that what we had that was bad compared to what is there today is a totally different thing in, in a lot of ways, but that's neither here nor there. What if we could have been optimized better? Like that should be the question. What if, you know, we made it through, we're lucky, but I've talked to four different high school kids in the last two weeks. And these are kids that need to gain weight for sports. These are parents that are driven, that are getting them protein shakes and doing this stuff. And like, they still don't even eat a lot of like real food. And we're totally okay in society with just giving kids shit and getting them where they don't even understand the difference of like what what do what is the age that people are going to consciously try to have that conversation and try to then teach their child. And I know it's a hard conversation because when you start to talk about like stop giving kids fruit loop and candy and stuff all the time, then it's like I don't mean all the time. I get it when, but day one, you could start that education. It would be tough. It's going to be tough because the entire world right now until others jump on board is against you. Mm -hmm. But I think there's got to be something valuable in all of us. Like if we were to have kids right now, like how would we start to raise our kids? One where we're not being crazy. And we can fit in and enjoy cupcakes and enjoy being a kid. But like, what what should we start doing? Because this is this has got to be the number one thing that's got to change. It's got to change in kids for sure because they don't have a choice. But our our older people and our, everybody right now, obesity is the number one thing that's out there. And especially, it alarms me with the COVID. Is like two years into this, we do know that it. You know, being obese does not favor you in any of these diseases that you may may get. So it doesn't need to be a complete life change, but some small changes make a big difference. Yeah. And it, it's funny cause that you bring this up now because <clears throat> just, in fact, the last two meals that I've eaten, dinner last night and lunch today, 
So last two days I've been teaching all day classes, both days. And so you get to the end of that kind of day and you're like, man, I'm just exhausted. I'm tired. Yeah. I don't want to do anything. Tara's had a long day, like doesn't want to do anything because we've spread ourselves so thin. We're so busy. The expectations in our lifestyles are so work driven and we don't slow down that now I get to the end of the day and it's like, oh man, the 30 minutes I'm going to have to spend cooking a reasonably healthy meal feels like a lot. And so what do we do? We sat on the couch and we were like, what do you want to do? I don't feel like cooking. I don't either. What do you want to order? So we like start pulling out our phone, man. I'm looking at Uber Eats and Grubhub and I'm just mm -hmm. scrolling through and I'm like, okay, well, let's at least pick something that's a little bit healthy. And you're just scrolling through and you're like, there's just isn't any option. And so finally, like, you know what? I was like, screw it. We're cooking dinner. <laughs> just put the phone down, went in and started cooking. Cause we had food to cook too. We even yeah. had the food there. Same thing today. I'm at home. <clears throat> I had a meeting today, a little stressed out from work. It's been a long week. Tara's like, she's on her way home. Do you want me to pick something up? Sure. Okay. What do you want? <laughs> and we start going through that because again, have stuff at home. And finally we just, we did it again. We were like, no, we've got food to make. So we did. So we made a healthy meal at home. And as soon as we done, we're like, it took us 20 minutes to do this. It wasn't that much of a time investment. And this yeah. is a million times healthier than anything we could have picked up. Right. But that happens so much for even when it's accessible, it's, it's right there in the and kitchen. It's so emotional. And it's going to take less time for me to cook the food yeah. than if I order it on right. Uber Eats, because that's going to take 50 minutes to get there, but I can cook a meal in 20 or 30 mm -hmm. with it there, you know? Yep. And I think that, it, man, if it's just, I don't know if it's a prioritization deal, if it's just because of the way we treat ourselves and, and we are such a work first and then we're tired and then we don't want to do anything and we work really hard five days a week and then it's two days off and we just want to let go. And so all these different things happen. And so what falls off? Well, it's that extra work. And we look at cooking food as extra work mm -hmm. because I got to plan it. I got to go to the store. I got to come up with the ideas and then I got to make it, you know, and I don't know. It's just, it's, it's hit me like these last two. And I'm glad we made the right choice because now I feel better. I yeah. feel better about it. And yeah. it's, I don't know. It's tough. Well, that's, and that's, that's a, it's good that you did make the right choice there and, you know, the, the healthy choice, so to say, but you know, kids, our youth isn't going to learn this. It's going to have to come from the adults, but the adults don't know. We don't, and I think we do know, but like you said, we just emotionally don't have that time to sit down and consciously start thinking. Most households, if we could have conversations and we could start to kind of get them to talk and get them to, oh, yeah, I know what food is. Like, okay, I can do this. I got it. I, we did that one. You know, we were young. Mom used to cook. Grandma used to cook. I can do it. People understand things. Um, I, I think there's just a weird, like, there's an interesting thing of, like, the education. It's And it's got to be... You know, I had an ex-girlfriend that had a daughter and, um, true. This was a weird story is, is she went to a little Cleveland elementary school there and, um, I, she came home and she kind of leaked one time about somebody giving her a bunch of candy. Right. And we used to, well, her mother used to make the, her pack her meals and they were awesome, dude. Not only like they were like peanut butter banana honey sandwiches with, you know, some Cheez-Its, but a healthier version of Cheez-Its and strawberries and all sorts of stuff. And maybe even a cookie or something. She, a totally well-balanced kid meal right there. Yeah. Dude, 
So this one teacher felt sorry because of what she always had to eat every day. So she started giving her candy, right? So then, then it kind of, I was a little too hard in this time of my life anyway. So it was a learning, learning thing in myself. But there was also a part of me that was like, wait a minute, like, we are not going to give her a bunch of candy at night knowing that all she's getting is candy all day because there is a balance of things for the well-being of the child. But I also want to be the one to enjoy, to give her some candy sometime and have this bond and be able to learn and, and be the one. Um, or as our mom, like one of us, not the dang lady at lunch, is feeling sorry for <laughs> yeah. a very good meal that most kids would all like. Uh, so I went up there and I talked to the lady and it was a, it was an awkward conversation, you know, because this lady was obviously very obese and lived a very unhealthy lifestyle and felt bad for a little girl who had real food and stuff. So, but then, you know, make a long story short, she did it again, came home and like, you know, told me again, like I finally got it out or I figured it out and I had to go back and tell him again. It's like, well, like how, how do we raise a child? Like how do we actually educate and do anything or have any discipline or ability to reward if everywhere we go, we go to a dentist office, no cavities, here's sugar, you know, we, we get a vaccine, we get a donut, like it's, it's crazy. And it's not, doesn't mean we got to forego all these things, but I think people do need to start thinking. It's like, we live the 80, 20 lifestyle as we like to talk about, or at least we try to, I think society needs to be like, I'm at least adult enough to be 50, 50. Yeah. I would say we, you know what I, I mean? It's a struggle to get 50, 50 for a lot. Of if people. I saw some of these high school kids food log the last couple of weeks, and I saw at least a better attempt at like breakfast, lunch, and dinner or breakfast and dinner doesn't come home at lunch. He does what he, okay. All right. With them, it's a difference, but it's never any of that. I mean, it is very rarely. It's usually supplements first, so they end up spending more money, and it's less real food, and then it's usually processed food. And then when they get out of the house, the likelihood of them eating real food anywhere from anybody is zilch. And that's kind of that weird alarming thing, I think, that uh, everybody just needs to kind of think about, especially when we live in a time when obesity is... It's just like, I don't even know the numbers anymore, but it's astonishing. It is astonishing. It is is crazy. Well, because it's going to drain the healthcare system. I mean, we've, we know this, we know what the consequences are Mm -hmm. and we don't have to tell anybody that, but yeah, I mean, I want to switch gears and ask you a question. Yeah. Um, This is complete 180 to some degree. I wanted to get your take on how do you put together so people usually, they show up to work out and I think we have in our head and maybe this is arbitrary or I don't know how it became, but generally when we talk about, oh, I'm going to go to the gym and work out, we've got in our head that it's going to take an hour, right? It's like, it's an hour, got to have an hour to go work out or some people it'll be like four hours, but for you, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but w- the shorter end. So what about if you're in a situation where you're like, man, I've only got like 20, maybe 30 minutes. How do you recommend people put that together um, and what kind of workout? Now, I know there's different kinds. One of these days, we're going to talk about some different kinds of minimalist style uh-huh. training programs. But, you know, what do you recommend for people if they're like, you know, I'm time crunched, but I still want to put something in. I don't have the full standard hour that for whatever reason we think of as like, yeah. you got to have an hour is what you're going to spend. Well, you got to look at one time. If you don't have a lot of time, 
than your your single joint isolation type of accessory work and those sort of things, they're out the window. Time needs to be on big bombs, things that produce massive amounts of stress, which create hormonal response and create a massive amount of adaptation if we are recovering correctly, of course. But if you don't have a lot of time, you need to be squatting, hinging, pushing, and pulling. And we need to be sticking with compound movements, whether it's still with a kettlebell, dumbbell, barbell. Uh, There's a million different ways to load the body, but you need to be doing compound type exercises, multi-joint movements that, uh, you know, give us the most opportunity to load, give us the most opportunity, like I said, to create as much, you know, stress, time and tension on multi-joint, you know, things. So um, that is the number one thing. Like, um, second, time-wise, if you got, you, you need to like really focus on, get those compound movements in there and then become intentionally focused on getting the best and the most amount of work done in the least amount of time. Um, it's just high density training. Like that's your best bet. Look at like a, a, some of the old programs like Charles Staley um, had the elasticating density, just a lot of different articles on density training. I think that's a really useful thing and it's very measurable too. So for, for example, say you had a, uh, Jeff's got a 70 pound, uh, 50 pound and a 30 pound kettlebell at home. So, and we got 20 minutes. Well, we can do squats for 10 reps with the the kettlebell. We can press for 10 with the uh, the lighter one and our medium one. Maybe we swing for 20, right? Very simple. Three basic exercises. You do them well. They're very high, powerful, bang for your buck exercises. Now we got a 20-minute clock. You just go session one, work. All right, this is what I was able to get done. Session two, we try to beat that by just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Small chip aways, small chip aways. Rotate those exercises on Wednesday, rotate them on Friday. And there you've got three different days of 20 minutes of push, pull, carry, push, pulls, you know, swing, whatever it may be. Big bang for your buck, full body stuff. But uh, I love the, I love the, uh, the density training. You guys should check that out because that also builds cardio, builds work capacity, you know? That's the not being focused on like, Okay, well, I got to rest two minutes between sets. It's like rotate, yeah, you, rotate the exercises and you go. know if you've got twenty minutes three times a week and you want to be a competitive powerlifter, well, then we don't have a lot of time. Like yeah. we might be bench on Monday, squat on Wednesday, and, and and deadlift on Friday, and that twenty minutes is going to be allotted to the skill and that. But you know, if you've got the uh, if that's not your goal, then you still want to be able to produce muscle. And uh, burn some calories and then rev the metabolism up. You can definitely just do nice little high intensity kind of density training. Yeah. I think I'll fall into that trap sometimes where it's like, man, I don't, I don't have a lot of time. And so instead of using the time that I do have to say, even if it's only 20 minutes, like I can still get something productive in in 20 minutes. And rather than that, it's like, well, then I'm just going to sit here and be on social media on the couch because that's that's a big thing. A lot of people say, I don't have time to go work out today or I don't have, you know, I can't make it in and traveling. Okay. You didn't have time to get the gym, but all the, everybody listening. I mean, if you just had, if you took 20 minutes, probably watching a football game anyways or something, and you just try to work on as many 
good quality push-ups as you can do and bodyweight squats. I'm not talking about fast, crazy CrossFit style like Metcon. Like I'm going to intentionally do some strong push-ups and bodyweight squats here for 20 minutes. You, If those type of snacks enter your life, that could even be planks and core work. It could be a, any sort of healthy thing. It could be yoga. And it should be a mix of all those things. But if those little 15, 20-minute snacks pop into your life and they become like consistent fitness is i mean it's it's what's it's just a byproduct it's going to happen like it naturally you will gain muscle the majority of people would gain muscle if they just did more push-ups at home they want to be jacked anyway start doing push-ups start doing squats start doing walking lunges you know um and there's a lot of hikers and stuff out there there are Tons of articles and things on literally where people do very slow walking lunges, not like the repetitive very quick, but I do one, maybe three, four seconds later, I do the next. You do that for 15, 20 minutes, like the hormonal response from shit like that is is incredible. Is that also where, what, did Steve Maxwell coin the grease the groove or was that somebody else? I feel like that's where I've seen Pavel. it first, or did- Pavel's pretty much the, the forerunner with that from far as I know. I don't know which one of those guys said it and one of them ran off and wrote the book but pavel yeah. is the one that basically came up with the grease groove concept i feel like that kind of fits in to this idea too of i don't have time where it's like every time you get up to yeah. whatever i'm gonna go in and do one pull up like literally it's like just at all these various uh, random intervals or maybe in like like you're mentioning like okay every time i have to walk down the hallway i'm gonna do four lunges and that's it like to each side it would add up so uh, people do not understand how much it would add up and there's funny like tons of strength stories of like people accomplishing beast tamer or iron maiden in the kettlebell world and a lot of the kettlebell world is minimalist type of people so a lot of people are sitting at home they want to buy a bell they want to hang a pull-up bar up and between it in a door and I've seen tons of stories where people just grease the groove like, okay, every time I walk by the pull-up bar, I hit one good pull-up. And then a year later, that same dude is a pull-up master. And they have a jacked back. And their biceps look good. I mean, it's just, it's just going to happen, yeah. period. It's, and it's so easy. It Even is. at the office, every time I stand up, whether it's to go to the bathroom or get some water or whatever, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do five squats. Something. I mean, it could be anything, right? You wouldn't be bitching about back pain as much. <laughs> That's about, you know what yeah. I mean? Like those sort of things. Like uh, didn't it wasn't it you and I um, recently when we did that session where we just did a bunch of kind of core work and some basics. We mm-hmm. went back and we just kind of did a day of therapeutic core work and basics. And I, you told me you're like, dude, my back felt great for the rest of the day. Oh, absolutely. And that's what happens if people do that. There's a reason that you know. The smart, healthy OGs all tell you five minutes can go a long ways. And they've been saying it for years, and now I'm saying it too because it really can. Yeah. I think of these last two days where I was teaching these classes, I was standing for most of it or I had a, a wooden stool. And so I didn't have a comfortable place to sit down, mm-hmm. and I'm spending a lot of time on my feet. And that is tiring. You know, that does get fatiguing yeah. by the end, but... The things, it wasn't like irritated. It wasn't pain. It wasn't like, oh, my back hurts from sitting in a comfortable chair all day. Because I was like perched on a stool, which kind of forces you to have decent posture when you are sitting and then doing a lot more standing. And, and just the difference is, you and, know, 
what movement you can go to to make it feel better. Mm-hmm. And that's what our message is to other people. It's learn and don't just learn what exercises help fix back pain. Learn how those like how you can get the most out of those exercises for yourself to help your own back pain or just discomfort. Yeah. Coach, I know you've got somebody in that you got to meet with and mm-hmm. I got to get a little workout in. So yep. um, any final parting words for all of our friends out there in Green Strength Podcast Lane? Man, Hiley and I are going to do a course. Um, it's going to start uh, in the middle of January. I'll, I'll put out some more stuff on that. And if anybody's listening and is interested, go ahead and reach out and I can tell you more about it. But it is going to be a four-week course where we uh, have two sessions a week where we are going to be teaching you all sorts of stuff, and we're going to be work- we're going to get a fantastic workout, but it is going to be a learning experience too, and you are going to get individual help from both Hiley and I. Like we're going to teach you how to learn how to do the mo- the human movements that the body does naturally, and then we're going to give you a four week program. You'll take a little time. You'll get to follow that program. You get to practice on the stuff that you learned with us. And we will meet back up for another four week block of classes where we will progress those movements. And we are then going to show you how you add external resistance through a kettlebell, barbell, and or dumbbell, and how you take those same human movement patterns that give you life, longevity, health, all the above, how we safely load those to get the most out of them for so hopefully you can be doing that for the the longest amount of time nobody wants to they're lifting to and they're exercised to make them incapable of doing things as a continued age so we want to bring bridge the gap with this program between what happens in the gym and what happens outside the gym and teach you how to bring those worlds together for the best results and to feel your best so for more information on that i'll be bringing out stuff but feel free to reach out there you go hit them up on easiest way instagram go cinema direct message there's a good way at green strength iv on instagram or you can head over to the website at greenstrengthhq.com cinema message and uh, be a part of that because that I'm, I'm excited to see that and, and see all the awesome results and changing the lives that's going to happen so keep coming back to us here on the green strength podcast we're going to keep bringing you all this content talking about all the things that you want to hear and if you have any questions hit us up shoot us a message on instagram or email or wherever it is and we will answer all those questions right here on the green strength podcast